Talking Pandemics is an initiative to give a voice to young professionals and researchers on their view of the current pandemic, helping to educate the global audience to think about the pandemic more logically and analytically. Remember to subscribe to receive our episode alert and share the episode so more people can be updated on the current pandemic. Welcome. Welcome to Talking Pandemic. Thank you, Angela and Eric, for your time for this recording. So I would like to start the show by asking you, how is the situation in Kenya? So the situation in Kenya, to be specific, we don't know where we are in Kenya because we don't know whether we are approaching this thing in the right direction. But the Ministry of Health of Kenya has done a lot of work. From the word go, and even improving testing and adding another number of testing sites. And what helped Kenya a lot was that the testing is riding on a, on a HIV program. And the HIV program had a lot of testing centers. So they converted, the, they used those HIV testing centers and they, they have really exploited that, the airboat machine and the, also the manual PCR. They have really exploited that to do a lot of testing. But they will always have a problem with the test kits. So we have dependent on importing testing kits, a lot of testing, because when the test kits are there, we test more. When there is no test kit, we test less. And remember, as we talked previously in the previous episode, for COVID, you have to test, test, and test. Mm. You test more, you trace, you contact trace, and trace. So if the testing is low, you cannot do a good contact tracing, and you cannot miss people, and you cannot isolate some of, most of the people, and that means the disease will spread. But another thing which government did was to lock down areas that were epicenter. They also locked it down so that there's no movement. So that one isn't our burden in, in our healthcare system. But the government have really tried. The entire education calendar is closed. Mm. I think I have the same sentiment. So unfortunately, I didn't experience it from being in Kenya. But from what the news I hear back from back home is that indeed a lot of things have happened and what the government did in the beginning really impacted how the outcome of COVID is today. So I think Kenya really took a really good forefront and began properly with terms of diagnosis in terms of lockdown. So I think this really let just the population that was already within Kenya limit the transmission that would have occurred in the long run. So I think this was good. And I also think in terms of continuously reporting and giving people information was also good. I don't know how in terms of advertising and television communication was, but because of this, I also think there was a lot of impact that people were aware of what is happening and how the government is continuously informing people in terms of numbers, in terms of cases that are coming up. I also think this was a good way of telling the public that, yeah, we have COVID, we have cases, but this is the number we have. These are the cases that we have today, and this is how it's rising. And I think this also impacted the outcome that we have today. Mm. Why are there such low number of cases? So Eric said that because the testing is low, but is it the only reason? So let me give you an example. In Kenya, what we have tested so far in Kenya is what was tested in two days in one. So what one China can test in two days is what we have tested in the last almost six months. So the, the testing is low. If you look at South Africa, South Africa is testing so much than any other African country. And that's why you see the numbers are high. I totally agree with Eric, but I would also add and say this, I think there's also a lot of hesitancy. So because of the impact that we see that for people who get positive cases, the hesitancy increases within the general public. So I think there's a lot of fear that's also created in the public. And then also maybe there's a breakdown in communication in terms of the impact and what is expected when you actually get positive for COVID. I think this is also something that's influencing people's outcome of how to get tested and how the cases are actually rising. But I would totally agree with Eric and say that the testing is quite low. 
also i heard that there are a lot of conspiracy theories running so is it prominent in kenya and east africa this i will i will really take from a layman because again i'm not so much involved in what is happening on the ground in kenya but um from my parents perspective there was one video that was circulating about um vaccines on covid and why we need to take vaccines and why it's so um animate it's such an emergency to have vaccines produced within a very short period and there was this about bill gates is now trying to eliminate the african population they're quite present and they're quite there and indeed the public is inclined to believe some of these conspiracies and i think more fear is being created especially with other outcomes of what we have seen through the covid period of certain things like black lives matter and this has also impacted a lot of how the africans actually seeing the situation of coronavirus i think so i think indeed there are a lot of conspiracies but for me the one that really stood out was this one on the vaccine that people are trying to eliminate africans and i was like this is rather interesting because i think the whole process of vaccine production and manufacturing and its whole research is quite different from what people actually perceive i agree with angie totally i agree with angie but one thing you must always know is this in all diseases there is always conspiracy remember ebola ebola has other problems because of conspiracy said almost two years the coronavirus pandemic started in china and some people still call it a china thing china has been doing a lot of businesses in africa so when someone say chinese you say there is a coronavirus people are not been educated here a lot so when there is a loophole somewhere when some people will try to fill it with any information that comes so people will always bring in the, the conspiracy theory we had a problem a lot in the uk at least some people were even beaten we are human so it's part of our community government of kenya tried sometimes to bring people who are knowledgeable whether it is in, in, in communication or in otherwise just to share their knowledge and even people who have recovered from covid to share their tech people have their loved one have passed so they share their aspect of it so if they communicate and pass the information people take them but covid yeah. has really changed a lot of things some people have said that that's just a government public relation yeah silent the first thing is that when whenever there is a gap people will fill it with their imagination so it's better that they know Exactly. I recently talked to a person working in a research institute here and he said that all of this doesn't work. The only thing that works is people understand what's happening actually instead of ignoring it. Exactly. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did all the countries went through lockdown in Africa and how hard it was for the communities? Not all countries went through lockdown in Africa. There are countries who even ignore about COVID. There are countries like Burundi, they even did election during that time. Same thing yeah. is even happening with Mali. Mali also did election during that time. And so the countries that have went through strict lockdown in South Africa and Uganda and Rwanda also went yeah. through very strict lockdown. Other countries, there, they tried curfews and everything, but they never went through lockdown. Or, or if they locked down, like in Nigeria, they locked down Abuja and, and Lagos. The rest of the countries were free to move and everything most of countries never went through a very tight lockdown yeah at least they were not as strict as what we saw in italy or what we saw happening in europe at least for the african continent it was a bit more lenient so some really went really fast on like rwanda i know they did very initial lockdown in their first cases but other countries were like okay there is a coronavirus happening but more more impending things were happening within the countries that they didn't take the importance of what corona actually would have on the people what impact corona would have on the people lockdown is very controversial like for india they started it but then it it backfired really bad so i want to ask you you knowing the african culture 
what would you think would be the best way to control it in Africa in general and in Kenya if there is something more specific about it? You see, there, there was a, there's a communication that came to most African countries in around January. And they were told that uh, everybody is coming in the country around February, it was around February, yeah. Try that everybody that come in the country, they put them under, under isolation or quarantine for 14 days. Because we know the disease was going to come through our, through our airports or through our borders. So they were told to look into that. But the forest borders may not have helped them a lot. What the government of Kenya said around 23rd, was it 23rd or 24th of March, to put yeah. anybody who arrived in the country on a self-quarantine for 14 days. If they could have started this thing in February, so mid-February, they may have not have any case now. But because they started this thing after reporting the first case, mm. so the by reporting first case, it means that the other cases will have already still over in the, in the country. But the Africans will have not gone to, most of the Africans will not do a local. What have helped Africa mostly fight for this disease is that the burden of infectious disease. They have really suffered a lot of diseases. But this one is like, they have taken this a normal life, like other diseases that have been fighting, whether it's malaria and other diseases. So the immune system have really burdened the disease for a very long time, but corona is just one of them. That's why you see most of them are having mild diseases. But the lockdown, would have worked initially if they, when they reported the first case. Egypt, Egypt was the first country to report case in Africa. And if they could have started that time, Egypt reported the first case and put anybody arriving on, on self-quarantine for 14 days, most of the country could have not even reported it. Oh, I think I recovered it mostly. So I also think the impact of comorbidities is one, one factor. And also I think the mindset and attitudes of the populations also plays a big part. So, oh, another thing also that um, also plays an impact, I also think the population is quite diverse. So we have more younger people than older people. So as we saw coronavirus many impacts the older people than it does the younger people. So I think this was also something that we needed to take into account. Age is also a factor that we had to put into account and therefore more of the youth would have been positive but the impact was not as high as we saw with other countries that have an older population. Mm. So in terms of control, I think the lockdown was a good approach and it was a good way to look to do it. And it also helped Africans at least to curb more transmission within the country. I want to ask you, in developed countries, the problem is comorbidities. Diabetes, heart conditions, comorbidities in Africa are different. Immunologically, what is your take that if these comorbidities put higher risk, so, so one thing which is there, the same comorbidities that are happening in the developed countries like uh, hypertension, diabetes, and the rest, are also with us here. Some, most of the people who have died in Africa are people who also have been diseased. One, if you look at the, like the, what I say, DCG vaccine, we receive it more than even the developed countries. The developed countries not even there in Europe, the entire Europe, they're not giving people DCG. So they were saying that that one also our program our, our, our body because our immune system so that we can, we can fight this disease. But one thing which I know, there's, there's immuno resilient when it comes to African because of the, because most of the people in Africa, either they were infected with malaria, they have had, a, maybe they have had parasitic disease. So the, the immune system sometimes tolerates this thing. They go to tolerate, because remember, in Africa is where we have influenza, but people are not even given vaccines. We always have a season of influenza without vaccines and people always go through it. But yes. in Europe, people have to take vaccines all in the U.S. and the rest. So well, that's one thing which I've really, the immune system of Africa is what may help them fight this coronavirus. I've got a several malaria infections that now I don't think I can even get malaria because my body is known to be malaria. 
So I totally agree with Eric. I think he's in, he's the way he said it that the underlying conditions are actually quite common also. So the non-communicable disease is also quite common in Africa and Kenya per se. So we do have the heart conditions, the hypertension, diabetes, asthma, you name it, and it's common among also the more or less the older population, more or less, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, I would also agree that comorbidities plays a big part. But in terms of immune system, I think because we already have all these other infectious diseases present in our environment, I think we have a skewed. So aside from tolerance, which Eric has mentioned, I also think our immune systems are a bit skewed. So we would one arm of the immune system, for example, cellular, which would be more adapted to fight off some of the infections. And maybe in this case, kind of combat what we see with corona. This is, would be a hypothesis, not that it is what is happening, but mm -hmm. it would be one way that we say that maybe we have more T helper subsets and then this is able to fight off the infection that we see. Because for example, I know with some comorbidities, when we have a parasitic infection and malaria, which is also an intracellular parasite, for example, we have one that is skewed in one direction and one skewed in another. So the impact becomes more balanced. So you don't see a really massive outcome when someone is infected. So I think these are some of the key factors that are also playing a part in terms of immunology for the general population. And I would also say that maybe nutrition also has an impact. The nutrition and which would eventually impact the microbiota and the general gut responses and the different micro microorganisms we find within the African population. I would say they are a bit different from maybe other continents because of the different um, environmental factors, the different infectious diseases, the different things that the people already combat on a daily basis. So this would have an impact overall on the immunological response we see in the population. But again, this is speculative. What are some of the peculiar developments which you saw after the pandemic took off, which made you feel proud about Kenya? Uh, to be honest, in the beginning, I was a bit disappointed. Disappointed <laughs> with how the handling of the corona was, especially for an African continent and especially for Kenya, because I kind of felt that as a government, Kenya just mimicked what other outside countries did. So I think they mimicked um, without taking proper public public health measures and actually assessing the Im impact of the coronavirus within the country itself. So I felt like because other Western countries did a lockdown, Kenya just said, let's do a lockdown, which in the end, of course, was a very good thing. And again, I was initially quite disappointed, but again, down the line, it became, yeah, this was a good thing to do it. But um, in terms of the pride that I see of what happened is there was a lot of innovative outcomes from the youth, especially in this corona time. So there was a young boy, I think nine years old, who invented um, washing washing hand system back in Western, I think, yeah. So he, he I was so impressed. I was like, a nine-year-old actually came up with a, such an invention to help the community kind of combat coronavirus at the time. So it was quite interesting to see that people could think outside of the box, that you could have ideas, that you could see people being proactive, taking into consideration their actual environment and their communities into account. And for me, this was something that I, I would say was making a very proud moment for me. I was like, yeah, Kenyans actually have talent. Kenyans actually have the ability to think outside the box. We have the capability to actually take into account our own public health measures to impact our people and to have a say and say, yeah, I see a problem, I have solutions, and we need to think and impact our people in the right and positive way. So as a candidate at that point, I was completely proud. And of course, more and more innovations have come out. Um, 
more tech-savvy um, approaches have also taken place, more epidemiological measures have been put in place. So I agree with Angie a lot. But one big thing that has really come out, most of the recommendable diseases that we always have are because of the of hygiene. And COVID-19 has really brought a hygiene. The people are washing hands, people are using sanitizer, people. Some of the communicable diseases that like diarrhea, cholera, that they always take people to hospital, people are not going to go to the hospital. So it's a reduced number in the, in the hospital. And that is one thing which I see in the future hygiene of, the, of Africa and Kenya, as Kenya as, as a whole, and even the world as a whole. So that is one thing which I've learned when it comes to the social acceptance of washing and washing due to COVID may change us for forever. It's like in Japan or in China or in Korea, people wear masks. In Japan, if you go, people always wear masks. But now in the whole world, people are now wearing masks. And maybe there are a lot of special diseases that if you continue wearing masks, you may not get there. TB incidents may even go down. Yeah, that's yeah. true. This is really mm, okay. good. <laughs> the positive things Corona did. Okay. I also see Kenya in news for its IT stuff. Like there is a lot of IT progression in Kenya. And as a Kenyan, how do you see IT industry in Kenya? The current status of it? So I think IT has really grown, at least in the last 10, 20 years in Kenya. The government does take into consideration a lot of IT and the IT industry overall. Okay. Yeah, when it comes to IT, there's a, one of the Kenyan biggest uh, techno, tech network works, that is Faricom. They have really invested in the, in the, on, on the upcoming status when it comes to IT. And the government of the Ministry of Information Technology, Communication and Technology have also really invested in, in Kenya is known for when it comes to technology and, and this startup. So government really have invested in and even the, if you look at the COVID-19, there are a lot of people from the universities which are also really working hard to help in contact tracing a lot. Maybe the contact tracing is actually in Korea. What have helped them is also contact tracing. And so yeah. there's a lot of integration on contact tracing into some into COVID so that they can really improve, improve and contact with. Okay. So I have last two questions left. One of them is about East Africa. So I don't know much about East Africa. And I'm sure the following question might have some biased answers. But I will still ask. I see Kenya, Ethiopia, and Rwanda as the most promising countries who will take this region towards progress in the coming years. I want to ask you, how differently did these three countries saw coronavirus? So if you, if you look at the East, there's East Africa and there's Eastern Africa. So if you look at the Eastern Africa is where now you include Rwanda in it. But if you look at East Africa, is now we have the Kigali and Five. And East Africa have got East Africa community. If you start, the way Rwanda looked at the COVID-19, Rwanda was total lockdown. No movement, no nothing from the start. They, they did not care about anything. So them was total lockdown. Rwanda is not having a lot of cases. Kenya saw it as we go semi-lockdown. We don't go total. We look at the business interests and we look at other things interests and we take care of the economy and our people. And being that we cannot provide, the government cannot provide for their people like in other countries like Rwanda where people are, are beginning with food. So they went for semi-lockdown so that they allow people to go and look for their daily bread but with a limited timing and everything. So they don't go for lock, total lockdown. Ethiopia, the people just look at as if it was not serious to them, and they also have tension with Egypt, with the dam, and tension within the, themselves, inside their country themselves. It was like, what will come of it? They never went through very strict lockdown like when you compare these other countries. But when it comes to driving, these regions require one another to drive the economy up. 
Ethiopia has been lying down for some time, but Ethiopia is picking up. Because I think because of their political issues and everything, and their aspect of looking at the world, have really dragged them down, but they're picking up. Rwanda is also picking up after the genocide. They really pick up. Kenya has always been central, but I think all of the countries, mostly the Rwanda and Kenya, the East Africa, East Africa community, Ethiopia now is having tension with Sudan, so that is also hindering their international relations and everything. And then Ethiopia is not open a lot to international investment. They like to, everything is controlled by the government. And if everything is controlled by the government, there's chances that it may not go well. It limits competition, and so there's no good service delivery to the people. I mean, I just want to highlight that I have always found Angie very fascinated with Rwanda's commitment towards progress. So Damn, and you're gonna highlight my comments now. <laughs> so actually, I agree with Eric's analogy completely. And again, again, for me, Rwanda does stand out to the East African community and the Eastern African community overall. But I also think, again, what as what we have seen with Corona and among other things is leadership really does play a big impact. So with the leadership of Rwanda <laughs> and Kenya, we see a lot of um, positive outcome, especially in terms of what was done and what was addressed in the very initial stages. Governance and leadership really does have a big impact in how the people relate and come forth with solutions and answers to different problems. So I, I would actually say, I really admire how Rwanda handled the whole situation. <laughs> Yes, my fascination for Rwanda will never go down, but yeah, I really do admire how they handled the whole situation, how they really took charge from the very get-go and they really took the right measures to address the public health situations, to know what was needed to be done, to have accountability for what was expected for the people. So for sure, as an East African bloc, I think the support we have for one another in Eastern Africa in general is, is getting there. So we need to work better, of course, to help other countries grow and to reach the same levels as these three countries, for example. But we we still have a lot to do as a community together. And I think we still also need to work on our governments and our leaderships. In the, in the end, I think this will really have a big, big impact in what we see in terms of healthcare, in terms of governance, economy, and of course, dealing with pandemics that may erupt in the future as well. Yeah. And even to add, the, 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 even Uganda, Uganda also handled, Uganda went the same way as, as Rwanda. Burundi yeah. and Tanzania is where they didn't care. They, if you look at the Uganda now, the civil system, the borders are still closed, the same thing applies to wow. But Tanzania and Burundi are the, the countries that might have left the East Africa and that went to If Tanzania decided to go the, the Sudan way, it should be providing testing, but they stop even providing testing. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Rwanda has done a lot. Rwanda has done a lot. And even Uganda has done a lot. Compared to when it comes to their approach to lockdown. And they have learned lessons of the HIV and the Ebola. Okay, just to clarify two things. Uh, for uh, Tanzania, you said that they didn't test. No, Tanzania stopped testing. <laughs> ah, okay. okay. They're not providing any data. They stopped testing in April. They have never tested to date. Testing, no one knows what they're doing with the data. Okay. Also, uh, in Ethiopia, are the number of cases more? More than in that region? The cases are rising in, in, in Ethiopia, but the problem in Ethiopia, information, getting information in Ethiopia is okay. not easy. Yeah. Because information is government controlled. Yeah. Yeah. So my last question, and this is very, really, very really important, with everything changing in the world, what do you think will change because of the pandemic? In terms of how Africa sees itself 
the vision it has for itself? Um, from my perspective, I think we will really embrace a lot of gig economy. So I, I really believe a lot of things will move online. So people will appreciate more online-based working and for sure, I believe gig economy is gonna be the aftermath of what we see with um, coronavirus pandemic. Um, in terms of international globalization, I don't think much will have changed. So I guess once we have the vaccine and once we have transmissions controlled and probably had immunity, we will for sure be at a better position to interact with people and traveling and globalization will of course resume its normal way with the right measures of course. So you say that nothing will change in terms of the global politics? In terms of global politics, of course, there will be a, a big change. So I, we can even see the bigger countries that have a big influence politically. I talk for Europe, for example, the leadership is also quite impacted. So politically, I think there's going to be a big change. And we even see that um, we see with the US, especially because they have um, elections coming up in November, there's already some impact and influence from Corona itself. And you could also see that how the leaders were giving out their manifestations and their plans and out outlines for what they plan for the future American people. Definitely Corona had an impact on this. And I think this for sure has an impact politically. So for Africa as a continent politically, I'm not sure there was a big impact. Okay. There are a lot of hopeful economists who say that there will be a lot of self-dependence and entrepreneurship in Africa, and that would change how we see it. Yeah, this I totally agree. And again, I think we're moving more towards a gig economy, so where people will be more online based than they will be physically interacting. So for sure, this is something that you will see coming up more and more as time goes by with and with after COVID for sure. Okay. So thank you, yeah. Angela. And I would also like to thank Eric virtually for so much insight into Africa. So with it, I end this show. Thank you everyone for listening. Join us again next episode and make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the different platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, so you never miss an episode. Plus, to continue enjoying our discussion more in detail, you can visit us in our Patreon at patreon.com slash talkingpandemic, where you can access to exclusive content. Check it out. Links are in the description below. And remember to stay tuned, stay safe, be strong and be curious.